<clears throat> All right, mic check, mic check. Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis. When I was dead broke, man, I couldn't picture this. 50-inch screen, money green, leather sofa. Got two rods, a limousine with a chauffeur. Phone bill about two G's flat. No need to worry, my accountant handles that. Classic, notorious, B-I-G. Biggie Smalls. Hello, America. Hello, world. Hello, you. It is your new best friend, Cashmere, California. And this is... The Pod is Good podcast, a.k.a. the Notorious P.I.G. Episode 48, Pod is Good. And all the time, if you know, you know. If you don't keep listening, you will learn. Today, we're going to go to outer space. What do you mean? We're going to outer space. What do you mean? The conversation that we're about to have starts with NASA. Hmm. Intrigued? If I were you, I'd be. So stay tuned. I got a good show for y'all today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome my guy, Ira, to the studio. What's going on, man? Hey, I'm doing good, man. I'm feeling good. I'm still, I'm still smiling about that intro. That was great. <laughs> Going from oh, Biggie like to space to yeah, it's good stuff, man. Come on, man. Come on, Biggie, man. I t- tell everybody, you know, this is a hip hop inspired podcast. I was heavily inspired by you know the the artists of our days, and so that's why our our AKA is the notorious Pig. You know, just an ode to one of the greatest to ever do it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Good stuff, James. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How you been, my guy? I've been doing really well. Been doing yeah. really well. I moved from uh, Phoenix to Maryland um, about two months ago to settle okay. down for real this time. For real? <laughs> oh, we're going to get into that. We gonna, we wanted to talk about you settling down. Settling down, being around family. And, mm. um, you know, it's good. Getting out of the 110 degree heat. Yeah, and, uh, feels good. It's brutal down there. So let's let's first go to exactly where our intro, because you know everyone's attention span is like this small. So now they want to know about NASA. They want to understand why I said we're going to outer space. So can you let them know why our first destination is beyond the stars? Yeah. So I was teaching chemistry and physics in Inglewood, and I had a a mentor fellow teacher who was teaching math. And he was like, man, you want to go to space? And I said, man, what are you smoking? Right? And he Can said, no, no, it? I'm serious. I'm serious. I know, I'm serious. Hey, young blood. Hey, young blood. You want to go to yeah, space? Yeah, yeah. And he always he always has a hustle. He's from New York. Yeah, man, I'm serious. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, you want to go to space? So he was like, all we got to do is apply to this program from NASA. And I'm telling you, we're going to win. We are going to we didn't get it. And so and so we wrote a proposal. And the idea was, hey, if, if you take us to space, um, we're gonna bring what we know back to the city of Inglewood uh-huh. and excite the kids about learning more about science. And uh-huh. we wrote the proposal, got some good recommendations, and lo and behold, we were the only urban community to do that. Uh teachers from the only urban 
community to do that. And what? Uh, what was it like 400 applications, 400 teachers? Wow. Uh, we, were, we were one of the top 10. So one of the top five groups. Uh, nice. Chance of doing it uh, in groups. And then so they sent two groups up for the first flight, first mission. And it was a, uh, a combination. It was us, um, some teachers from Milwaukee, uh, oh. and um, a set of German uh, engineers in America. You got to have German engineers. No yeah. matter what you do, <laughs> if you want it to be successful, you need a set of German engineers. Yeah. So that was smart. Yeah. That was smart. And we boarded the Stratospheric Observatory for Infrared Research, as I, you, you've seen. We just found that out. Yes, yes. You, uh, you flew Sophia. Sophia, that's you right. Flew Sophia. Sophia. Spelt, spent 24 hours on her. And it was cool because oh. the, right? And it's a, uh, it's an air modified aircraft with a hundred inch, hundred centimeter um, telescope on it. And you can look out light years, right? Wow. You can look out light years into the, into space. And you can see a lot of different, activity going on out there you can see the curvature Ooh. of the earth so for all those flat world people oh I here mean, you go here you go somebody I mean, tell us that the world is round again yeah. <laughs> so I'm actually, <laughs> i actually received a phone call from one of my cousins maybe mm. a year or two ago and he said you know i know you've been to space right i said yeah you know and i'm always saying yeah i went to the lower part you know but i was well is the earth round? I say, yeah. <laughs> I know you've seen it. <laughs> Hold on. This is everybody's real question. Because yeah. everybody always has the same thing. Yeah. When they say the earth is flat, they say, how come all of the images from space are always from basically the professionals? It's always some doctored image that's been scanned and scaled and all of that but we've never just seen somebody's phone like cell phone somebody's cell phone and they just go up either they go up and take the picture or we don't see it where they just leave the phone on from from when they're on earth all the way up to looking at it from space how come we can't see that can you provide us with that or no uh yeah you know it, it doesn't work like that it's there's a lot of reasons it just doesn't work like that. I've never heard that one, but yeah. I'm telling you, I heard them. I done heard them. Yeah. So so the question is, how can you prove it, sir? You know what I used to say to my students like that? I used to say, what is, how is the world flat? So, so I, let me tell you, okay, let me, I, I'll, I'll play the position. So yeah. I, I believe the earth is flat because uh, when you think about the gravitational pull and how they speak about the earth and its curvature, we would, we would somehow be kind of sliding down this. How are we able to walk completely erect and standing up on a round earth? And somehow when you're on the bottom, you're still standing straight up when you're on the side, you're still, that doesn't make any physical. It doesn't make any sense. And that's why you're here to solve that. Cause I don't understand it either. Ah, ah, I see what you did there. See what you did, I see what you did there. Mm. I, 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 
you know, we live in this gravitational plane and we just hang in the middle of space. And it really doesn't make any sense, right? Like, to me, you know, and to me, there were so many. So before we went to space, we actually had to take three months of classes of astronomy. And there we learned. um, There were just so many times where I was like, gosh, how does that happen? You know, like if the temperature of the Earth, if the average temperature of the Earth changes by a certain amount of degrees, then we lose all of our our atmosphere and our ability to breathe. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that can happen if there's a if there's a split in the ozone layer that's, you know, if it loses certain thickness. Uh. And it's scary. It's like, wow, like all this stuff just stays together and we just hang in the middle of this of this space and it's. It, we're connected to this. We believe there's some huge black hole. We've seen evidence of it. We don't know exactly how it works and how yeah. it hangs there and how everything just kind of, it's, it's. Yeah, it doesn't. It's really heavy and really deep. Yeah. And to me, yeah. I'm like, well, like there's certain things we're just not going to know the answer to ever until we see our creator. And it's cool. It's fun. But it's like, even when we get answers to certain things, it opens up a whole new gamut of questions. Always. And to me, it's like, you know, how many kids do you have now? Three. Three, right? So it's when you get to that age where there's just endless questions. (laughs) And you're like, you know what? Because you can why yourself. And there's the point where it's just like, what was like, I'm gonna I give you a question, that. you know. <laughs> no, it's true. It's, true. it's true because even if you think about this idea of like, let's say, um, let's say the, the big bang, right? If you believe in, sure. in the big bang, um, evolution theory, okay, cool. Sure. If you imagine, let's just say you take in. I'm a believer of the Big Bang, too, to a certain degree, but I hear you. Okay, 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 cool. So let's say you take the idea of this perfect or non-perfect blend of, of molecules and energies and whatnot, whatever happened to create that initial explosion that yeah. sends all of these, um, you know, bodies in orbit, right? Yeah. I've always been like, what made them stop and keep going at the same time? Because <laughs> it's not like they just went, it's like they went, <laughs> oh, yeah, and slow down. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it was a sure. this huge explosion, and then, then what? My, there you go. Well, I like, I like the complexity one, right? Like, your eyeball, right? We're not talking about anything, just your eyeball. Just your eyeball. You know, and I, I thought about the, your eyeball, like how complex is your eyeball? So if I told you that, hey, you know, there's an eyeball sitting out there, you know, somebody's eyeball, that it, it just appeared in my bathroom, uh-huh. right? And or if I was in a court of law or something, you know, the body just appeared there. No, somebody yeah. bought it there, right? And it's like, no, well, it just grew there. You don't understand. Like, that's just happened in my bathroom, right? In the body bag. Well, right, we know that this is not, because cause and effect 
right? That's what science teaches. Whenever there's effect, there must be a cause. Uh-huh. And and that question, like, well, where did the Big Bang come from? Well, that just kind of like came from gases. Okay, where the gases come from? Well, that just kind of came, right? And so that's where you get <laughs> this area. You can get like the three-year-old, like, where did that come from? Where did that come? Yeah. And at the end, yeah. right? And um, when you think about how complex things are, it just doesn't make any sense unless you're like, there's a greater power above yeah. us doing stuff and we just don't. Yeah. I remember hearing somebody say that, that they were, there was an interview with a guy who was like a lifelong um, scientist. I can't remember exactly what he studied. I, I want to say biology, but I could be way off. I just know he was a lifelong scientist and they asked him um, about his belief in God. Cause you know, that was really the big deal, especially, you know, maybe a decade or so ago it was almost like, do you believe in, God, or do you believe in science? Yeah. One or or the two. Like, where where do you lie? And so this lifelong scientist, they were expecting one answer. And his response was basically, like, he spent his whole life looking for the meanings of things and, and, and researching deeper and deeper. And no matter which road he turned in, when he got to the end, he could not get away from the idea that there has to be a greater power. Like Cause it's just... Yeah, because there's no ending. So, and, and the two are actually in separate planes, right? Because science scientists, <clears throat> and whenever you want to do something uh, innovative or change, you become a scientist, right? Yeah. Science works like the scientific method. That's the yeah. basis of science, testing. And in order to test, you have to have things that currently exist. Yeah. Right. And where the world comes from, that's not a question of science. It's one of philosophy. Because science, it's a question, it's unfair to science because we'll never be able to to test it. You can never replicate the beginning of the new world, of the world. That is big. It is unfair to science. You are... Hundred percent right because that's what science is. Science takes and and does experiments over and over and Controlled over. Experience, experiments, yeah. To, over to, and over. To, to see the results, and then once the results are the same, then it can lock in. And we develop new theories, exactly. Good point. And those theories change over time. So yeah. was the world once flat? Yes, as we knew it, according to some people now when i went to egypt <laughs> these were these were pyramids built three thousand you know actually five thousand six thousand years ago yeah and they had drawings of boats now where exactly they took those boats we don't we don't know but we do know that there were plants and different artifacts found in the americas that occurred way before huh. there was european um ships coming here so how do you get that, right? Yeah. But um, I forgot I was going on, on a little tangent there. But, you know, science teaches us a lot. And there's some type of intersection. There's definitely an intersection between the two. But that question of science or creation is unfair. And science definitely shapes my... It, it, it shapes everything about me because, man, there's this great book. It's called, um, it's called Think Again by an Adam Adam Grant, who's a professor. He's, a, he's actually a business professor. 
Yeah, I have that book. Yeah, at yeah. point. But he talks about like identity, the part where he talks about identity. Yeah. And I, that blew my mind. Because yeah. at one point he was like, you aren't your beliefs. And I was like, wait, hold on. Like, <laughs> no. Right? And he started talking about identity and the core of your beliefs. Like, what is it that really forms your identity? And it's not, it's deeper than your beliefs, but it's your actual, like, you, you got to go get the book. But I believe yeah. it talks about, like, the, you know, the will. And you already got it. So that's great. But yeah. Yeah, no, that's it's a really, really good book. It's and very perspective. Yes, and I think, and so at my core, it's true, right, right, and that's so hard for people, right? What do you, how do you act when you get new information that comes into conflict with your current beliefs, and especially if those beliefs define you? It's one thing if they're like outside beliefs of what you think exist in the world. It's another thing when you they're beliefs that allow you to understand you. Yeah. Yeah. It make me me. Like yeah. this is what my family believed in. This is what my church believed in. This is what my community, my people. Ah. Yeah. I, can't, I can't let this go. And we yeah. all have them, right? Like and and the yeah. challenge to grow into being a more truthful person if that's one of your things, right? Is you've got to you got to lay down your pride in order to, to grow. Yeah. To yeah. That next level. Yeah. It's funny you bring that up. I um I felt that way when Scientology was being exposed. I felt I felt for the people that followed Scientology for all these years and maybe didn't know some of the darkness that existed in that quote unquote religion and that and they're now seeing it and the, and some of them are are wrestling with this idea of do I stay in it or do I leave and the, the only thing that made me think about that was because I heard the 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 questioning of like well who would still be in that mm-hmm. who would still stay there if they knew this was going on and I was thinking that's easy to say when you're on the outside, but take your deepest belief, whether that belief is that's your dad or whether the belief is this is my God or whether the belief is I'm a man, whatever your thing is. And imagine someone on the outside of you, not your own decision, the outside of you tries to change it. That's a difficult thing to just accept no matter what information you put, no matter what truth, no matter what uh, evidence, it's still going to be hard for you to let go of that that thing. You're going to fight for that thing. You're going to scratch and bleed as much as you can to, to, to prove that thing to be right because that thing is you. Sure. And so th- I felt that a lot watching Scientology be exposed. And I kept thinking there, there aren't many of us in in any particular religion that would be able to respond the way that we're saying they should respond. Yeah. It's just it's not going to happen. Yeah. I see what you did. You did that you did something very brilliant too. You merged kind of religion with space. I see what you did. That's kind of cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> you caught that. You caught that. You, that was that was nice. Um 
you so Scientology or I just lost my thought. It's it's gonna come back up. Um it'll it'll come back. It'll come back. It'll um, come back up. I was gonna yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's 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 an interesting place to deal with. Like, I mean, kind of getting back to the idea. Oh, you know what I was gonna say? Sorry, I remembered it. Okay. So in the in the thing about like one thing I love about the Bible is that people are screwed up from the beginning story until the end. <laughs> and in the end, God says, you know what? Here's the book. Here you are my people. You're gonna be screwed up, but I'm gonna love you anyway. And Jesus <laughs> is the antidote for it. Trevor Noah says he, he was on a movie. He's like, You're a Muslim? Why it's so hard to be a Muslim? <laughs> follow all these rules with Christianity. It's just all about faith, right? And as you live, your faith convicts you to go to higher levels yeah. in Christ. But but that level, right, there's no perfect church. And people go to church, like one of the hardest things for people to do is to leave a church that they yeah. love, just as you mentioned. Yeah. But on the same time, that same type of hurt is when you do get so hurt by the church is to come back to another church again and it's the same type of like comfort that we have to say hey i'm good right here this is part of my identity i'm good i don't believe in religion some you know the new movement now right i don't believe in people coming together i got my own thing going right like that that is an effect of a fear and hurt and one of the beauty and any married person knows this in order to stay in a relationship you're going to have to get cut sometimes and keep on going. You want to see my scars? Right. And I sure want to see you. You're going to have, and the challenge is if you want to repair or reconcile that relationship is you got to, you got to stop cut. You don't cut back. You got to choose love at some point. You got to, you got to, or else you keep, I mean, this, what's going on right now with Israel and, uh, Oh yeah, and 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 in in Gaza out there, that's 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 not going away anytime soon. Yeah, and it's scary. Yeah. You know, um, I did my graduate school um, at, at it's we're at Vanderbilt, and our school used to take a trip to Israel for hmm. a business for business purposes because Israel hmm. has the most startups per capita out of any country in the world. Wow. And part of that is because of, I mean, there's, there are books that are written about it, but, um, but they just have start all types of things. They have, they have sonography machines that heal any type of cancer, except for it's sonar healing. Right. And they put these waves in your body. They can heal any type of cancer, except for like if it's hidden behind your, your lungs. And they had this 10 years ago. And I was like, why can we not have this in the U.S.? Well, that's yeah, we something to pick up yeah. with your government. Right. Um, they rather let us die. Yeah. <laughs> well, my <laughs> my um, my uncle had like aggressive cancer and he they're from Massachusetts and they have they're very. They, they were well off. And so they were at Harvard. They were at all these clinics down, up and down the, the East Coast. And they ended up having to leave the country. And once they did and got treatment 
from different places. Now he's riding box bikes. He's playing basketball. You know, in his six late sixties. And so, you hear a story like that, it proves one thing. They say money can't buy you anything, and money can't buy. Yeah, it can buy you life. How about that? It can. How about how about that? I've heard. Look that. at Maggie Johnson. You know how many people left this earth, this plane, like that? Magic still buying up the world. Buying up the world. <laughs> money, He's following me. He can get you some stuff. He's following me. I'm like this man moved from LA. He's buying, bought, just bought into the Washington Commanders. I'm like this. Right. Like where well, I step, he's buying stuff. Uh, yeah, he's part of a soccer team, a baseball team, a basketball team, and a football team. And a football team. I mean, he's killing it. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know how we got there. I don't remember, but. <laughs> It's no, a good man. conversation. It's good. No, no, no. Yeah, no, we're just talking about like you know what you can get other parts of the world. You you brought up uh, what's going on in Gaza and how that's not going away. And oh, love, yeah, getting yeah. cut by love, yeah. yeah, 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 getting getting cut by love. You got that, but that when you said you got to learn how to cut back, I always tell my wife like, if one of us is up here, the job of the other one is to not join them. You, you can't, you can't join. And I, I, hopefully, she is okay with me saying this, but I feel like she is is the 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 violator of that rule <laughs> more often. Like, like I'm, I'm pretty even kill, but but yeah. you know, but that that's a big deal because when you, the person is basically saying I'm hurt in so many words. Oh and man, when you, when you go up to them, basically you're saying. And I'm gonna hurt you some more. And in so many words, <laughs> that's kind of what's happening. Man, so so three things there. One, you know, and I believe it, just like physiologically, the man of the the, the role of the man, uh-huh. that's the Bible calls us what well, calls a female the weaker vessel. And someone's gotta be, right? Like, yeah, we know we're str- stronger, generally speaking, right? Yeah. But when we have that 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 sense of consciousness that hey she's up there i'm a joiner no you gotta yeah that's where your strength is that's your strength yeah and standing level-headed and it's 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 tough i mean i was uh i was in ingle i was actually in inglewood once and uh and i just remembered this was after i'd gone to to got my degree at usc i was feeling all good you know this guy uh, this guy pulled up or he came out this restaurant with this woman and um, and he had like tats all over his face, you know, teardrops. And she was like, man, go back in there and get him, you know, like, da-da-da-da-da. She was trying to get him to act on her behalf, yeah. what seemed in a violent way. And he said, yeah. listen, no, nah, we don't need any of that. He did, you know, and he was, and he was, he was, uh, what's the word? He was, he was loving, he was diffusing. The situation, yeah. yeah, you know, he yeah. was like, "Just come on," and he opened the door for her, you know, and then he got up in there, and I said, "Man, I, wow, that's it. This is I just learned something from here, like this. You know what I'm saying? This dude who came out, yeah. he got evidence of killing people, and he he was able to hold, <laughs> he was able to to really like be the man 
that she needed him to be in that yeah. situation. And I was convicted because I was like, here I go, you know, going with my church going self and my degrees. And I've, you know, a lot of times I'm guilty of going right in there or escalating the situation when um, that's not the best answer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the best response. Yeah. So. yeah, it's tough because, you, you know, your machismo kicks in and, you know, you, oh, yeah. you don't be, you know, you don't want to be violated. You don't want to walk no. away. Feeling. And, no. and I've had times and, and I've spoke about this recently where walking away both felt good and bad at the same time. Hmm. I, I, dude, I was just, this was not that long ago. It's maybe, let's just say within the past two months, mm-hmm. I was in Oakland, California with my wife and my children and my mom. My mom yeah. is returning um, a rental car. So we're following behind her so she can go to the rental car place. She stops at a gas station. When she gets out the gas, when she gets out the car, some guys or a guy, we never saw him, open the, the, the passenger door, steal her purse, and drive away. Right? I don't even see it. Like, like they're right there, but I didn't see him because it was like another, you know, she's at the island, you know, parked to get gas. We're like parked on the side waiting for her. So there was cars between us, so I didn't see it. The, the guys come back around. They drive past again. Dude, it took everything in my strength to think the fact that there's multiple guys in this car. I have my wife, my children, and my mom here. It's not like I have any help. If, if, even if I'm tussling with two of them, there still leaves two others to, they could be beating up my mom. They could be throwing my wife around. I could put everybody in a worse situation all because of a purse. And, and so it felt like the smart thing to do. But, dude, for at least a good three to four days, I felt like a chump. Just being honest, I felt like less of a man. Like, yeah, just let somebody just steal something from my mom and didn't do nothing about it. I let them come back and look at me like, what you going to do? Like, I felt terrible. Yeah. That's a tough thing to negotiate as a man within yourself to be like, yeah, but that was the smart thing. You know what I mean? Sure. And somebody somebody told it to me the best, and they said, um, you know, that the devil was just trying to pull you down with him. The, 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 those guys already exist in that space. They yeah. comfortable there. They comfortable yeah. living that life. You was up here having a great day, driving, a, driving your family around, taking your mom, blah, blah, blah. You went out there to go support your mom and something she was doing at church. You living up here. Y'all just yeah. left church a couple hours ago. Yeah. And the devil in that one moment was like, come down here. Yeah. Please, let me get you yeah. down. This, you remind me of something. My, something. I, I'm, my father had something stolen from, from him once. Mm. I think it was somebody broke into our house. You know, when you when someone breaks into your house, that's... It felt violated, yeah. Um, but I remember yeah. afterwards... There was some point afterwards he said, How come they just couldn't ask me for it? And I was like, Dad. <laughs> I know I'm only a teenager, but I don't think that's the way it works. <laughs> you know, I was gonna rob you, 
But I'm gonna just ask you before. <laughs> you think I can have your only car? You think you'd be okay? <laughs> can I get your only car for good? Like, can I have it? So, um, I'm about to take you someplace. So, when I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, I got pulled over eight times in my first two months there. Jeez. And I was driving. I was driving a Lexus. Slightly tinted windows, mm. and um, sometimes they pull me over. They use a drug. Probably, probably, well, probably two times were like I ran a light or mm. I took a a legal U turn or something. Turn yeah. after right, but the other eight times, <laughs> those were or the other amount of times, those yeah. were things like swerving in between the lane. I heard that. And one time a cop stopped me and I was just sick of it because I knew he saw my face and I used to do things like if I saw him and they, they would come after me, I would pull him in the gas station. You know what I mean? Like I saw him coming for me. <laughs> I started pulling over real quick um, and I'd have a conversation with them and I would always be, I would always be respectful, you know, when it came down to it. Yeah. And I never once got a ticket. Hmm. And, um, but I wasn't happy with it because I know for a fact, like sometimes they would look at me and then get behind me and pull. Yeah. And I'd be like, what in the world is going yeah, on? And that make you feel away. Yeah. That makes you feel away. Um, around that same time, Eric Garner happened. Mm. And it's never, and it has, it has never gotten out of me. I've never gotten over that. So I started something called police next door. And it was like I was I was inspired by World Star Hip Hop, actually. Like video sharing sites. Yeah. But the idea was to get people to upload scenarios of police, their uh, interactions with police, whether good or bad. Yeah. Right. Good, we don't have a problem. That just helps to say, hey, not all police are bad. Yeah. For the people who believe that they are the majority of them are right but um but from it man and this is probably a whole new episode i i did a little facebook marketing and somebody got back to me from alabama white man in his older 50s his story police is a movie james i'm telling you cashmere it it's a good movie if you know any filmmakers this one <laughs> this is it it's unbelievable. Really? I mean, it is unbelievable. He and my my computer. I mean, I gotta grab. I gotta grab my computer plug. Or my my uh, computer's about to go off. Is there a way you can pause it? Or yeah, no, no, you good. You good. Oh. I, I will. I will talk about. I will talk about. Um, uh, while you do that, I'll talk about the other time that maybe I didn't make the best choice in how I dealt with. Um, someone breaking into the house to kind of go back to that or, or stealing something. So it was different with my mom because I had, you know, my children around, my wife, my mom, you know, that's one scenario. In this particular scenario, they actually came to my house. Like you say with your dad, they came to my house. They didn't break in the house, but I had some stuff on the front porch. So they came to the front porch and they took, my like a few bikes and a wagon or some they took some stuff from the front right so i'm hot 
Because, like you said, when someone comes to your house, it feels different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it just feels like, it, oh, oh, and then my, oh, looking at my security cameras, it's like they came by, they took some stuff, they left, and maybe like an hour or so later, they came back. So that felt like you were saying, like, like what are you going to do? Like, I could come to your house over and over and just take stuff from you. Like, so I went, I live in a small city now out in uh, Inland Empire. I went through the city. I'm looking. I'm driving around. First, I'm by myself. Then later on, I got my boy who's a security guard. We riding around. I'm going to every place that I see homeless, every place I see kids normally hanging out, the back of Walmarts, Lowe's. I'm I'm out there beating the street, right? Long story short, uh, I ended up being at the gas station and I just had this feeling. I don't know. I was pumping gas and I saw this guy I'd never seen before behind a car that I had never seen before. And he was in the trunk. Okay, nothing big. I didn't, I didn't even really notice him at that time. Kind of a large gas tank on the car. So it took a while to fill up the SUV. And I noticed it just kind of all of a sudden hit me like he'd been in the trunk for a while. Hmm. I'm like, hold on. Get, get in the car, tell my wife. I, I loop around. Lo and behold, I see my bike in the back of that truck, but in the trunk, him, he over there trying to. I don't know what he was doing. Take the wheels off something. He's trying to dismantle it. That was it. I ain't going to go into what happened. <laughs> I ain't going to go in. I will just say this. Uh, from the point that I got my stuff stolen, within 48 hours, I had all my stuff back uh, <laughs> and and a pretty vicious scar on my knuckle. And, and my, my finger don't. This finger don't operate the same as this, this finger do anymore. Mm. Some tendon damage in there. Oh wow! Story over. So, tell us about the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, this guy, I don't. He he adopted nine kids, something like that, throughout his life, all different nationalities for different reasons. And uh, long story short, right there. Long story short, and he worked as a um, like an emergency tech, hmm. and. Um, the cops he's in small town alabama and he was trying to he has a heart for just people yeah and kids and he saw this kid getting um more or less abused at school by a security officer and he complained about it and um what happens next is just horror i mean so he complained about it the security guard security officer wasn't fired and he complained about it to the principal, and then he went to the chief, to the police, uh, the head of police there, and the chief of police didn't do anything about it. He it ended up getting to the government level, where wow. the mayor ended up firing the chief of police because of this incident. Wow. Not only that, there were eight or nine, according to what he said, and he sent me some paper clippings also. But there were eight or nine kids who. Had committed suicide in that that black young black males in that town um and he believes it's because part of the reason is because in that middle school in small town right why are there so many kids attempting to commit suicide and they're all young black boys yeah right 
and he heard he overheard the principal saying in this in that that better not date this girl um so he says something about it to the mayor the mayor gets that chief and then sometime later that chief of police is rehired by the sheriff wow and he comes back with the vengeance and oh, so this yeah. guy sent me pictures of how the sheriff and three of his boys came over to to his home beat him up took his son away through his autistic son in jail Dang. and and months later and threatened then came back the next day tore his house up took out the cameras just raided his home three days and in, in just and had him coming back so put him in the hospital stole his son kidnapped his son threw him in jail right awesome phony charges all because this dude stood up for some young black boy and wanted to see these kids to have uh, justice. That's crazy. I'm not done. So a couple <laughs> months later, a couple months later, and I'm telling, I'm not, I'm leaving out so many details, but in order to get through it, I'll tell you it's yeah. a movie. So um, sometime later, this guy comes and he's like, okay, I'm gonna get myself a lawyer. I got I, I got medical records. I got pictures of how they beat me up. We got photos. We got every all the evidence we need. Goes to the court system. He says the judge basically laughed at me. He said, I looked in, I saw my lawyer, his lawyer, that man, and the judge. They were all in on it. They were all backing him. And they told me in that courtroom, you better leave these, stop trying to save these little. These wow. People. That's not your job. He said, they had me begging in there. I just want my son. He said, I was in that courtroom on my hands and knees begging for my autistic 19-year-old son to come back home so I can take care of him. They said, we never want you to, to interview interfere with this again. He said, okay, I'm out. Went back home, and he had stayed quiet until he had told me about the story. Here's the so years passed, and this guy's an EMT, right? So he gets called when people have different emergencies. Yeah. So he gets a call one day, leaves his house, and he's just giving back to the community. Things are going right. He's still wondering. He still wants the principal out. Uh, like to this day, because that principal is still principal of that school. He oh, feels like he's no good for the community. The parents know it, but they've just been oppressed so long that they just, they don't speak out against it. Power. Yeah. What are we going to do? The court systems, the police, they're all against us. So yeah. we take- We ain't trying to have our house look like your house. We saw what right. they did. Yeah. So, um, and he gets this call. And he goes to this house, and guess who it is? Someone has a heart attack. It's the police chief, former chief of police, who came and beat him up with his boys years earlier. He and sees him laying down on the ground, helpless. I'm not going to tell you the rest of the movie. If you're a filmmaker, get this. <laughs> That's I'd watch that. I watched that. The true and story. It, 
and you ain't even told me the nuances, and I'm already in. I'm already here. My ticket money right there. Go on, take that. Go on, take that. He spoke to me for an hour. Straight. Yo, that is crazy. Yo, the filmmakers out there, you know, holler at us. We that's one. That's one of them ones. This is this is this is one of the reasons, and I don't want to get too political here, but this is one of the reasons I pause when I when I hear people say that that no white people suffered because mm. of the injustices. There are people like him who literally almost lost his life. Mm. And there are there maybe are there are millions of them. Yeah. But there are definitely thousands, ten thousands, hundred thousands of them who yeah. marched and lost their jobs. Yeah. Who were seen giving and helping out a hand and got beat up. Yeah. You know and, what you I mean? give, and you do have to give them credit because you could argue that theirs was quote unquote like volunteered, right? Like yeah. they, they they put themselves in that line of fire. However, there's something to be said about that, that even knowing, because I'm pretty sure they knew that this isn't going to be just accepted by everybody as some purity. Like they understood there were some risks there and they still did it. Yeah. yeah. And when they had with them. Yeah. They still, um, they still, yeah, that's big. Yeah. But I was talking, so police, right. So I've done a lot of research on police and where just, tracking i was actually looking at it today this harvard study the studied over a million cases and i was and i was trying to see like what does the data say about them right because my experiences especially in my experience is like is this happening to everyone <laughs> right every like what's going on here and if so right. we need to do something about this yeah yeah you know and um but one of the things that i found was that when police in high crime areas, when police are taken away, it gets a whole lot worse than when they were when they were there, right? Yeah. And this goes back to exactly what I was saying. Like sometimes you got to get cut to make a relationship work. In the hmm. 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 Yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a good point because you do think about. The idea, like, you know, you compare, sometimes it feels like America is just so far gone that a lot of policies that get implemented in other countries that help benefit the overall, you know, violence and murder rates and all those things, it's like, yeah, that ain't going to work here. <laughs> you know, this country was built on violence. So unfortunately, it's just kind of a common thread. It's one of those threads in the flag. You know, we just can't take it out. And so when they talk about, like, other countries where the police don't have um, weapons, like they don't walk around with guns in Canada or yeah. at least some places in Canada. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, they can't do that here because then they'll get shot. Right. <laughs> it's like, and they do anyway. Yeah. We can't just implement that. You know, it's like some places where there's less police officers, like you said, there might be less crime in those areas. And then you have us, we have the most crime. And we also have the most police officers. So you would think there's a correlation, but yeah, it's going to have to stay like that because if you take them away, unless you're creating bubbles and walls around each 
little community and they can all just know each other and not hurt each other. Yeah. That, somebody coming. It's going to get worse, sir. Yeah. Somebody coming for what you got. For what you got. Yeah. But yeah. That's, that's Have you you've been in South Africa before? I'm not. In uh, Pretoria, South Africa, like um, uh, Johannesburg, uh -huh. just outside there in Pretoria. I, I went to a wedding there a couple of years ago. And my uh -huh. friend, and when you're driving there, you find these communities and you see that they got high fences, like brick walls. I'm not talking <laughs> around communities. You're like, what? What's going on here? And that's the way they keep out the other people. That's how they do it. That's how they do it. Well, speaking of going to other countries, let's get back to going to another world when you went out of space. So you on Sophia, which, yes, I knew about Sophia because uh, a little over a decade ago, um, doing low voltage work, I actually went to go work on some office buildings inside of NASA at Palmdale. And the guy was just incredibly cool, you know, our, our, you know, to, to be to be a third party contractor and then to go on site, you have to offer up a significant amount of credentials, obviously, um, to be allowed uh, on the premises. And then you need basically an escort wherever you go that can yeah, track and know your, you know, know your whereabouts at all times. And so mm -hmm. he actually let us go and walk on to Sophia before it was actually ready um, to fly to outer space. So I do yeah. know uh, a little bit about the plane. I've been on the plane. I yeah. saw the um, uh, the University of Cornell had actually designed one of the turbine engines or something that they showed us. And they said it was from Cornell. They actually had like a little Cornell uh, <laughs> placard or something like on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Did you touch it? <laughs> I didn't touch it. You didn't touch it? Did you touch I anything? Be able to pay for that. I wasn't gonna be able to pay for that. <laughs> you got you gotta tell a story. Yeah, I actually worked on the uh, the ship that you took to space aircraft. <laughs> right, right. Which which row right. did you sit sit in? You said <laughs> it. Yeah, that's my row. That was my row. I ran your uh your headphone cable. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the coolest things he told me about it, and it sounds like it was true. Um, and, and the fact that you guys were able to go was that it was supposed the idea of it was going to be uh, used for the regular civilian to get right there to the outer limits, like you said, lower space, and actually be able to to, to view space. And it was going to be uh, available for non astronauts. It was going to be more like a plane, like you you can just purchase a ticket and go to lower space and orbit. And he was showing us how was very interesting how the, the the navigation was based on more planetary um, um, locations. And so when you viewed the the orbiting cycle of Sophia on the Earth, it looked crazy. It looked all unorganized and jagged, but it's because it's not using Earth coordinates like an airplane to go from this spot to this spot. It's actually using more celestial orbit um, or, or or points to create its directions that, that it goes. And since obviously things are moving around, that's why it kind of has this weird crossover zigzag two-year-old druid uh, <laughs> type of pattern. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's crazy that we both were involved with Sophia. 
yeah. in some, some way. <laughs> we both dated her in high school. She was crazy. I'm, that's... <laughs> I mean, there can't be more than a thousand people in the world. I mean, that were involved with that. And it sounds like a lot, maybe. But when you think about people coming from different countries, that is, and when you said her name, I was like, well, I don't know about <laughs> Right. You guys missed yeah. a thousand moments. Yeah. He said, uh, he said, yeah, well, I went to NASA, you know, around 2012. And I said, did you fly Sophia? Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> what about her? Yeah. Who told you? Who told you her name? About the same time. And I was in her before you. What, James? <laughs> yeah, before she got out there and started letting everybody get in, I was one of the first ones. <laughs> From Germany, all over the place, just astronauts. Just, <laughs> yeah. oh man, yeah. yes, the path. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Yeah, the... You know, I feel like that is the story of our friendship because just like that is like a, a a moment that only a few people can say that they shared or or were involved in. Uh, you know, we have a much more personal. We do moment that happened in an engagement an engagement that somebody was uh about to embark upon and our story aligned both of us once again yeah even in that (laughs) in that out of space time of your life yes yeah that was that was i'm gonna gonna let you tell the story go on tell the story man tell it i actually forgot what happened no James loves it. Man, that, you know, I, I thought that was a very special moment in my life because um, I think about, like, I was playing, I was playing the keys and I was bet playing for a number of artists that you had, uh, talented artists, right? Yeah. But then on the bass, we had, I mean, this guy was amazing. Oh. He was, he played for Usher, right? And some other artists and then the drummer had also played for big name artists and then there was me i played at the local church you know i played my it's <laughs> like yeah you know did a show in front of mario before he didn't know who i was but uh but yeah he liked it he liked it for <laughs> Um, but we, we had a good time there. And, um, and I remember you did this thing. You had the DJ playing the song and you were like, we're going to play the song. DJ can play whatever he wants. And you're going to play it for five seconds. And then the band going to come on and he's going to play the same thing. <laughs> and I was like, what? James, you didn't tell me this one. <laughs> oh, I forgot the name of that you know, game. You used to love that. There, there are different levels of this. Yeah. Like, there are some people who need to practice yeah. before the yeah. show, and there's some folks who can just grab onto it and start, yeah. you know, catching on right there. Yeah. And so he was playing, and I was catching on. And 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 fortunately, you know, through the grace of God, I just kept caught on to everything that night. But every time he's like, "We're gonna do one more," I was like, "God, you just—I just got and, the and, last two. <laughs> and what I tried to do. 
that that the band didn't know is I always tried to tell the DJ play popular songs that at least there's a likelihood that they've either played it before, they've definitely heard it before, and at least at very least for their instrument they can give you a, a rendition of it because yeah. that's the thing about the band is the that's why the audience really loved it. The band didn't have to stick to the confines of the original song. Yeah. Matter of fact, that's what people wanted them to not do. They wanted them yeah. to outshine the song. So as, as long as you knew like the key and the, the feel, as long as the drummer was able to give you the tempo, like you could get there. Yeah. You get there. You, yeah. Yeah. It worked out, man. It was so fun afterwards. Yeah. You know, man. And, you're, and you're right. And, you know, pop songs, usually they're not, there aren't a lot of changes in there as long as you don't, right. um, you know, let them go too long. There's some stuff now where you're like, whoa, whoa, what they do? Okay. <laughs> True. But but True. when you stick to hip hop, usually, and, it, and it's fun. And um, and so towards the end of the night, yeah, uh, I gave you a ring and I said, I'm going to propose. And you had fun. You were passing the ring on to different people. And you said, don't open this box. Whatever yeah. you do, don't open this box. I think it was don't open know. the box. It wasn't a ring box to the ladies. It wasn't, out there. It wasn't like it wasn't like yeah, it wasn't obvious. Yeah, yeah, it was it just a obvious. little box. And first, I kind of held it for a while. I was like talking. I'm like, oh, that's right. I gotta forget. I can't forget about this. And I'm like, you know, let me just put this down real quick. And I was like, let me just sit it on your table. You know, excuse me. And that's yeah. where it started. And yeah. then it was like, like you said, just kind of kept. Then he started passing it to people. Don't open this here. I said, what is this fool doing with this ring? <laughs> I, I think I even passed it. Yo, yeah, I did. I put it on on the soon-to-be fiance's table. <laughs> I, even, I even gave it to them. Like, yeah, yeah don't, don't move that. Just leave it right there. That was funny. That was yeah. Funny. And then towards the end of the night, um, you're like, well, while we got a break or something, you know, I always got a song. I said, oh, yeah, let me sing. Let me sing. Okay. Yeah. Someone wrote, you know, started singing. And it was just kind of like an ambiguous song that kind of flew into it, yeah. Yeah. floated to it. And then I got off my keyboard. I kept singing. I got to this hook. And that's when people knew. Because the, the crowd was like, oh, my God, that ring. And so, yeah, I proposed there. Yeah. Then in there, and uh, she said, "Yeah," and that was the end of the show. I think someone else was supposed to come on, <laughs> wow. and we had to wrap it, was, it up. That, that was, it was it. That's the crescendo. That was it. There was so much excitement. Oh, the, the girls were screaming and yelling. We were in LA, so I have a feeling mm-hmm. that the screams were a little bit of excitement for her and a little bit of jealousy that they jealousy. did, and, and also maybe a little frustration. Like I had a ring right here. And I didn't think the ring, the ring right there was an engagement ring right there. <laughs> I could have had it. Yeah. I could have. Yeah, that yeah, was a, LA. Good, a good moment, yeah. man. Good moment. It, it, was, it was a good moment. Yeah. Fun night overall. Yep. Yeah. Definitely remember. I, I, we, we've been all over the place, man. We were supposed to talk about you know, your professional life, but I feel like we've had a much more interesting conversation and I know I'm going to get you back on the show, uh, you know, so we can talk more because 
I wanted sure. to talk more about you as a science teacher, because even listening okay. to you and your perspective on uh, on science and where that begins and ends in our world. And I mean, I, I feel like there's more conversation for us to have, bro. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I love teaching science. So I taught um, chemistry and physics at City Honors um, Charter School in Inglewood, California. And I was one, we don't know exactly, but I was less than less than 1% of science teachers are African-American males, right, throughout oh. the country. <clears throat> so I was um, un unique, came from a unique platform. Yeah, absolutely. Once I had earned my certificate, I did this great, um, I earned a master's in teaching from USC. And they really changed my outlook. Nice. I'm teaching. And instead of like trying to force these concepts down the throats or the minds of students, you teach it to them in a way that they can understand, but it has to come out of their understanding. So I had to find ways of bridging it and saying, hey, here's what we're going to talk about. And fortunately, I was in a, in a I had cultivated environment where I could say, and you figure it out figured out how it goes, how it works, what the change reaction, like make it make sense for you. And there were times where I would say, listen, this, you know, when you add this and this, it becomes this compound, right? And I could say that five times and they'd be like, well, and then their neighbor say, hey, he's saying when you add this and this, it becomes this compound. And they'd be like, oh, I get it now. And I'm like, what? <laughs> And there was so much that I learned being around them. And I still talk to a number of my students to this day. And some yeah. of them are like family today. And it was such a special time in my life. And seeing them learn and have these epiphanies about yeah. science and, and, and learning that, hey, you know, I didn't really understand this. I didn't think I was good at math. I didn't, but now I get it. Now I get this. And I had... And I had almost over half of my students afterwards, you know, felt confident. My the numbers that I had when I got there, there were less than like five percent of students testing proficient in advance on the state exams. Wow! But when I left, it was over eighty percent. In some classes, ninety percent. Whoa! Number ninety ninety percent. And I taught them. I told them, hey. You can do any you, at your level. You can you can understand this stuff. You can take tests, right? Yeah. And and um, and I had them just really prepared. And many of them came, went left and became engineers and went on into the science. Some of them were teachers now. They went wow. on to get health degrees because they had this. Oh, you know, I can understand it. I just gotta. Yeah. I have to, I have to use. I have to start where I am and ask questions and not be ashamed to learn and say, I don't get it. I don't get yeah. this. I'm trying to, but I don't understand it. Is there another way that I can understand it? Right. That's powerful. There's this, there's this new concept right now. Um, and it's actually being taught to C-level employees of very powerful companies. Huh. And one of the, one aspect of it is leveraging the genius that's inside of you. Right. And today we have 
a lot of leaders who are in their 50s and 60s, and they grew up with the old ways of learning, right? Learn this, and they have great memories, and they've done well in class, and they've learned. Yeah. But there comes a point where, in getting back to rethinking, you run into a situation that you've never encountered before. And so, what do you do? You have to, you have to, you have to think differently than you've ever thought before. Yeah. yeah. Right. And there's a humility aspect of saying, well, I just don't get this. What can we do? I need help. Sure. Right? And that's what I tried to teach uh, in class. And it was very effective. And I do. I, I miss those days. It was a lot of work uh, because some of the kids came in below grade level. Uh, and, and just, but a lot of it was confidence and culture building. And when they came out, you know, they felt good about themselves. They felt good about what they learned. And, and a lot of them um, were empowered just to pursue what they really wanted to and things that they had been in fear of in the past. So I, I loved it. I, I think, you know, there's this report. I live in Maryland now. Yeah. These Baltimore students are having uh, issues with math. And so if if I'm able to somehow help that at a larger scale, we can really tear that up. And I think one reason I'm a really good teacher is because I struggled with these students a lot and I just spent hours upon hours. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it I means something. you know, yeah, yeah, it, it means it means something to you. You can tell it's it's rewarding work. You know what I mean? It's a lot of work, but it's it's gratifying and it's rewarding. To, to, to complete it, it means something. Yeah, it does because, um, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, that this country would be better overall if people had more opportunity. Yeah. And a lot of times the opportunities there, we just need to know how to find it, how to pursue it, how to engage with it, and then to have the discipline to stick with it, yeah. to let go of things that aren't helping us so that we can walk in our destiny. Yeah. And, um, that's a fact. That's a fact. Cause you're right. I don't think it's about, um, a quantity of opportunities all the time, but more of the awareness and the belief that not only are there opportunities, but that you are good enough for the opportunity. Mm. That's that, that makes a lot of sense. I remember oh, yeah. someone telling me one time that, uh, it was saying like a lot of business owners are feeling like, uh, you know, how do I get funding? There's no money out there. Like it's so, so hard to find people that actually want to uh, invest into my idea or my business or whatever the case is. And that was her job. She partnered, um, you know, investors with small businesses or sponsors with small businesses. And she said, there's always more money looking for good ideas than good ideas looking for money. Mm. And that that rang. I remember that. That was probably like 20 years ago I heard that. Wow. And I've been like, it's good to remember because when you're living in a certain space, whether you don't have money, whether you don't have the awareness of certain opportunities, you can always feel like you're on the, the side of, 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 of have not. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're you're on the the loss. Everybody yeah. else is, has their winning, they're gaining. It's you 
you're on the out. And in reality, yeah. it's it's just a, a switch of a mindset. It takes an incredible teacher like you just being there to either position the information a certain way to yeah. allow the person to arrive at that their own understanding or pouring into that kid in whatever way that you do that makes them walk out of that classroom and look at the world a whole different way. Yeah. 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 So thank, and, you. thank you for your service, Teach. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. I enjoyed it. It definitely, you know, lifted me up. And I mean, a big part of that is of having that awareness. And and now, you know, with YouTube and Eventbrite, right, there's opportunities to find those communities. Yeah. And I think that, you know, one of the greatest things I've ever heard was everything that you want in life, everything that you want is going to come from someone else. Mm. It changes the what everything that you want or need in life is going to come from someone else. It's going to come from someone else. Wow. I was like, hmm. Wow. What about my, so my socks? <laughs> you know, I, I, that's the way. So you tell me something. I'm going I'm to think of exceptions. That's where my mind works. Is right. Of course. You're like, let's see. What can I provide? Okay. What about my my food, my food does technically come from some. I didn't make it myself. Yeah. And even if I grew it, I got the seeds from someone. Else. Like, right. I got the tools. I got the, I got the fertilizer. Tools. I got. I bought the land from someone. I somebody. Somewhere it, it comes from other people. Somewhere along the way, and we have to learn how to develop the language and have the ears to hear people and the language to speak to them in order to get those things. You know, when people say, man, your first your first million dollars is going to be your hardest, right? Or your yeah. first hundred thousand, that's going to be your hardest, yeah. right? It's because you grow those networks and pushing through, getting that breakthrough is the hardest part because hardest you have to part. leave some things behind. You yeah. got to leave some people behind. You got to leave some mindsets behind. You got to oh. leave some practices and ways and habits behind. And you got to form new ones. And then once you get to those those new ones, and you you you, you create a foundation of of success, and that's when you start drawing people to you, right? There's yeah. a point where where pot is good. People gonna you're gonna be like, well, well, we're booked for the next two years. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, Oprah, I want to get you on. And I really love what you're doing. I love what you're doing. <laughs> Don't be mad at me, but I just I can't. Listen, Beyonce, yeah. like, <laughs> tell the beehive to stop texting me all the time. <laughs> oh, you won't have Jay call me again. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. On that note, on that note, my guy. But when, oh, you no, get to, but when you get to that, you've paid your dues. And a lot of times when people see you, They'd be yeah. like, man, it only took him a couple of years. Oh, man, he just started. Oh, I knew him back. Oh, man, it all happened. And they don't see all those hours, those sleepless nights, that planning, the failures, the time you've missed, the times you wanted to give up, the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and we, yeah. only got, we only got one life to live, and we got to keep going really what we want. You know, some people are happy with whatever they've got. But it's important that we live in truth. Yeah. 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 Finding that 
finding that place where you as a being are um, happy. Yeah. Where you feel fulfilled. Fulfilled, yeah. Yeah. Because some people, so it's a better word than happy, because happy can be But being fulfilled is, is more of a joy. It's more of a an embracing of what I have, this is it. I'm not, you. You even if you feel like you're still trying to evolve, right? Yeah. You still feel like you want to um, achieve more. That That's not a problem. There's a difference in that and not being fulfilled. Because yeah. someone that's fulfilled looks around at everything that they have in their life and they go, no, this is this is beautiful. I, if I had nothing else, this is awesome. This is it. I, I'm, I'm going to try to get more because I believe I can get more. Go ahead. So in that, in the think again, near the end of it, the author talks about his brother who was like, he went to Johns Hopkins for neurosurgery. He's a doctor. Hmm. But they had told him that he could be a doctor earlier in life, right? Straight A student, you know, and he became that. And, um, but he's still, there's something in him, he still feels unfulfilled. And he hmm. said, you know, you know, money's not an issue, obviously, and he's he's accomplished in his field, right? Went to Yale University for med school. Wow. And so, and he says, you know, he still doesn't feel fulfilled. He said, you know, people who, studies show that people who chase happiness often don't find it because wow. it's a place that evades them. And so once they get wow. to that place, they find that ah, I'm not. This is not really what I thought it would yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. But instead, people find find happiness when they pursue something that's worth pursuing, and they feel like they're giving in some way. That's the that's the cliff note, everyone. Pursue something that's worth pursuing, whether that is entering into a contest to try to be participants of a NASA flight, whether that is being um, on stage, hosting a show, helping someone engage, uh, get engaged to a future fiance, whether that's becoming a teacher, whatever it is, find the things in life that you can pursue that are worth pursuing. Because it's going to take your time. It's going to take some life out of you. It's going to take life out of you. So you might as well look at that time and be able to say it was worth it. You know what I'm saying? Even if you didn't accomplish it, at least it was worth it. It was worth it. Yeah. yeah that's different. That's and different. that's where you will find your happiness. Pot is good. All the time. <laughs> all the time. My God, Ira, I appreciate you, bro. Great conversation. Great time with you. Thank you for being here with us. Maybe next time we'll be able to get on Sophia at the same time. There you go. <laughs> Because she can take it. I've seen her. She can take two at the same time. <laughs> I think there were 20 of us up in there. Oh, and that being said, my G, pod is good. All the time. Sorry. And all the time. We can try that again if my delay. Yeah, yeah. Your delay was okay. crazy. All right, we're going to try it one more time. Because okay. you got better timing than that. You are a musician. I do. I'm... You are a musician. So yes. I know your timing is much better than that. Let's mm -hmm. go. Pod is good. All the time. And all the time. Pod is good. Thank you, my guy. I appreciate you. I will catch you next time.
Peace out, brother. Peace. All right, y'all. That has been episode 48 of the Pod is Good podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. That was a great conversation, great stories. Hope you were motivated, inspired, entertained, all those fun things. If you did enjoy the comp- the, the, the content, if you did do the three things that I just said, were inspired, motivated, or entertained, please subscribe to the channel. It don't cost you nothing. Comment, like, subscribe, all the fun things that we all ask for. It, it, it's just a moment of your time, but it means so much to us. But only do it if you enjoyed it. If you didn't, hey, write me a note and say, yo, you're trash. The show was trash. Everything you talked about was trash. Your outfit, your hat, just trash. Cool. I, I appreciate the energy. <laughs> I appreciate your energy because you took time out to pursue something that was worth pursuing, telling me that I'm trash. And I dig that. Till the next time, everybody. I appreciate y'all in Cashmere, California. I catch y'all next time.